Welcome to the Dark Side of the Full Moon podcast. I'm Jennifer Silliman, and this show is continuing the conversations started in the award-winning first-ever documentary film about maternal mental health. My journey as an advocate began through the power of storytelling. With this podcast, I hope to create a community of women and professionals sharing their own powerful narratives to let others know they're not alone and help is out there. Keep in mind that some of the stories you will hear may be triggering, but it's important they be told. This podcast is not a replacement for professional help from a licensed medical provider. If you or someone you know is suffering due to a maternal mental health condition, please contact your medical provider or call or text message the Postpartum Support International Helpline at 1-800-944-4773. Now let's continue the conversation. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Dark Side of the Full Moon podcast. I'm here today with Samantha Nenninger. She is the mom of three kiddos after the birth of her first son, and again, during the pregnancy with her second She was riddled with anxiety, fear, and obsessive and intrusive thoughts about any and all forms of harm coming to her children. Samantha began attending a newly formed uh, PMAD support group and shortly thereafter became one of the group's facilitators. She is passionate about helping others not feel alone in navigating this journey and providing the best resources for families possible. Hi, Samantha. Hi. I'm so So excited. (laughs) Um, I mentioned that I have a surprise for you. I don't know how much of a surprise it is, but I went digging, digging, digging everywhere through my email, through dark side of the full moon email and everything. Cause I wanted to find our first interaction oh, because, it was, because it was, because oh. it was so special and I found it. Oh, I, I found it. It was in my, it was in the dark side of the full moon messenger, uh, on Facebook. And it was from well, our first interaction was January 9th, 2015. Can you believe that? That was like a million years ago. Um, you had inquired, you had made a request about screening the film. It was before the film was even out, but we had put out like, Hey, this movie's coming out, get ready. Um, so, but let's skip forward to hang on. <laughs> January 25th. So 10 days later, you had commented on something out on our dark side of the full moon page. And, um, first you had watched the film by that time. Um, and I had signed the comment, Jennifer Silliman producer. And you said this, you said, thank you so much. When I watched the girl in the green at the beginning talking about the knives, it was my story almost verbatim. I totally agree about explaining the difference between each disorder is so important. I remember calling off work and asking my mom to stay with me. She had no idea why, and she had to go to work at lunch. I called my husband and said he had come home immediately. When he got there, I said, I know, I know why people kill themselves. I always say if it wasn't for postpartum progress and my support group, I'm very sure I wouldn't still be here. I can't imagine living like that much longer than I did. I'm in a constant battle between our, between our OBs and, and PEDS now, PEDS now, uh, no one wants to step up and it makes me so angry. I'm grateful. My husband fought with me, fought with, and for me, or I would have been lost in the system because I was in no shape. 
When the lady said she wouldn't even search online because someone might find out, I said out loud, my God, it's like I wrote this. I hope I can convince our local doctors to come see this film and start the dialogue more than the more than just the scale handed to moms on a clipboard referring to the Edinburgh. Thank you again for such an amazing movie. My response, uh, I'm the girl in the green and actually I'm from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Um, I wrote, it's not the first time that I've heard that someone has had the same thoughts. It's evidently a very common intrusive thought. And you wrote, oh my God, I want to hug you. Sending you creepy internet hugs to you. <laughs> oh my God. Know. And then we went on and this is probably going to come up in our conversation. So I will not read the transcript, but um, we went on to talk about how far along I was in my recovery and what that looked like. Um Oh my gosh, that I will never, ever forget. I was laying in my bed and answering because I think it was pretty late at night. Um, I can remember 830. Exactly. I guess that was late 830, right? Um, <laughs> and I remember like answering right away because at that point we were getting so many comments coming in about, about the film. And so I was like always on Facebook Messenger. And I just remember that interaction. And as soon as you said the girl in the green, I'm like, oh, well, I'm the girl in the green. So that was my story. <laughs> and then I, I got to meet I you. I was sitting in our recliner and I had watched the movie and it was like a, a scary movie for me. Like I was putting the blanket up and I just had my eyes and I thought, I'm going to reach out to them and see, see what they say. I about died whenever you came back and said that was you. I had a fangirl moment. I was freaking out. My husband's like, what's going on? I'm like, it's the girl. It was like life-changing moment for me. And that movie made such a difference in our community. I can't even, I think we've screened it three times now. It's, it's been amazing. amazing. Oh, it makes me so happy that the film is still so impactful um, and still educating so many people that are just unaware of what we go through as moms and families um, when we're faced with something like this and, and don't still, I feel really don't have a proper system in place for moms to be well taken care of and, and not fall through the cracks. Like moms are still falling through the cracks, like left, right, and center. It's insane. So, um, so yeah, so what I typically do is just have people start sharing their story. Our, our stories are very, very similar. Um, so, so you share your story and then I want to talk about, you know, what you're doing now. So the floor is yours. Oh my. Okay. Um, so I have three kids. Um, they're 11, eight and going to be five, uh, send help. Um, but, uh, so pretty much immediately after my first was born, um, well, let me back up a little bit. We might, my husband and I went to one of those, like, I don't know, birthing, like, this is how you're going to have a baby classes. I don't know what it was called. And the lady there was our lactation consultant for the hospital. And she touched on postpartum mood disorders. And of course I, like everybody else was like, eh, that's not going to happen to me. Um, on the drive home, my husband said, I feel like I feel like you might go through that. And I was so offended. I was like, oh, how, how dare, how dare you say that? I'm fine. I'm fine. And it, during my pregnancy, I was great. So of course I blew it all off and didn't pay attention as we do. Um, and then the first day we were home from the hospital, <laughs> why? I don't know. I felt like I had to unload the dishwasher, but, uh, <laughs> as you do with a newborn, uh, I guess. But I remember standing out there unloading the um, like silverware basket and I picked up a knife to put it away and I thought oh my god I'm holding this like a serial killer would the most random like never had that thought before and of course I dropped it freaked out 
went to my husband, was crying. He's like, what's going on? I said, I'm just tired. No big deal. Like, how do you say that to your husband? It's a weird you know, thing. And so as time went on, days passed, the thoughts just came more and more frequently. Um, and I broke down to him, kind of, this is what I'm thinking. I don't know that I really went into details, just what if something happens to the baby? And he's like, of course, you're a new mom. Of course you're worried. You know, I worry too. And at that point I wasn't saying, well, what if it's me um, kind of thing. And I'd say it wasn't maybe two weeks later that it really evolved from what if somebody breaks in the house? What if I fall down the steps to what if I use that knife on the baby? What if I'm bathing him and I just put him underwater? And what if we drive off the bridge? Every what if I, I could think of. Um, so I had a friend coming to visit and she had yet to meet the baby. And I was like in literal tears, just sobbing in the dark. And I couldn't come up with a reason to tell her not to come. So we kept all the lights off. I was like, mm, the baby's a little cranky with the lights. Most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. But I couldn't tell anybody. This isn't like water cooler talk, you know. Um, and she was like the perfect mom. So I wasn't going to say, hey, do you think about like chucking a knife at your baby too? Um, so nonetheless, um, I made up some cockamamie story. I don't even know to call this lactation consultant and say, I don't really know how to swaddle the baby. Could we come in, my husband and I? Um, she's like, sure. So I get in there and lost my mind, like just started crying. Do you ever hear this from people? And she's like, uh, every day I hear this all the time. I've been in nursing for 30 years. This is, we have this group and it came from mom and baby group where you sit and talk about like pee and poop and feeding. Um, and everybody was fine. And then when she would go back to her office, the phone would blow up and people would say, well, I'm thinking this and I feel this way and I'm in anxiety attacks all day. And she'd say, why don't you say anything in group? Well, cause all the other moms have it together. And she's like, well, really all of them just called me too. So no. Um, so they formed this group um, that I started going to. Um, I was able to get hooked up with a therapist in our area who is phenomenal. Um, and she convinced me kind of to call my OB and kind of spill my guts a little bit. Um, and I didn't do it until my six week appointment because I was like, it'll be fine. It'll go away. Um, so at my six week appointment, she gives me the Edinburgh and I, I fill it out, you know, as I'm leaving, they're like, put your underwear on and leave the clipboard on the table. The most ridiculous. And I was like, okay. She looked over and I passed it because there's nothing about intrusive thoughts on there. So of course she said, well, you passed. Okay. Well, we'll catch you next time. You know, if you have any questions, call me. And I thought, oh my God, I must really be crazy because I just took the crazy person test and I freaking passed it. So I'm off the charts crazy. Um, I don't know what I said to this day and she can't remember either because we stay in touch, but something triggered her as I was walking out the door and she said, mm, why don't you come back in and sit down so we can talk a little more. An hour later, we're still talking. She prescribed me medication and I got set up with a psychiatrist. So that sounds like it was a simple maneuver all the way through there, but <laughs> that's the long and short of that story. Um, and everything was going swimmingly for a while. And then we had a big move um, when my son was a year old and um, it kind of set things into motion. You know, when we get off routine, it kind of sets everything. And I thought, what did I do? Like, why did we have this kid? And it all kind of came back. And at that point it was less, well, it was still about harm, but I started having like sexual intrusive thoughts because we're looking at like, oh, potty training's coming up. What if I looked at it? What if I wiped it wrong? Too much. Yeah. Ugh. Um, and so I went back on the same path, back to the psychiatrist, back to therapy. 
And as we do, as we should do, as I tell moms all the time not to do, I got better and I thought, I'm gonna go off my medication without any guidance. And I just did it um, like a moron. And <laughs> um, I suffered for that because I ended up getting um, pregnant. We talked about it. And like the day I said, I can do this again, I got pregnant. <laughs> um, and I knew before I peed on the stick because my thoughts came back out of nowhere. I saw myself hanging from a tree. I saw all sorts of stuff. And I said to my husband, what is going on? Like something's wrong. All the thoughts are back. And it turns out I was pregnant. So it's so weird how, I mean, I guess it's, it was the hormones that all kicked in. And um, unfortunately my psychiatrist had gone on like a, not a sabbatical, like on a leave. And I didn't know because I hadn't been seeing her. So nobody else wants to touch a pregnant mom, you know, with a 10 foot pole. So just take a rest, take some Benadryl and sleep. You'll be fine. From my whole first trimester, they just put me off. I must call the OB three times a day, every day. Like, please, I'm not. And of course, I'm not really telling them. So they, they were only doing what they knew. Um, <laughs> so my psychiatrist came back and I'll never forget. I was packing a bag because I said to my husband, we have to go. I have to go inpatient. Like, I can't do this. He's like, let me finish bathing, you know, our son. You can take him over to your parents. And I'm panicking. What am I going to tell them? Because we don't talk about it. And my psychiatrist called me and she's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I, they should have not put you through that. Immediately I went on medication. She's like, I don't know why they didn't prescribe it. Here it is. Things got better. So again, that sounds like the shortened version, but um, yeah. So we're not doing that again, taking yourself off, but I went on to have a third baby and everything was great. So medication therapy saved my life. And the girl on the green sweater, I'm just saying. <laughs> I wish I still had that sweater. I don't. Um, so, so are you still medicated today? Yes. Okay. On the medication that they put you on for the intrusive thoughts. Um, they started me like, you know, all OBs tend to start on Zoloft, like the SSRIs, which was, you know, okay. They don't really work well for me um, because with OCD, you know, you have to take such high doses. And then at that point, I'm shaking like a leaf. I can't sleep, that kind of thing. So I went to a tricyclic. I actually researched like a mad woman and found um, what I'm on and brought it up to my printed up paper. I took it to my psychiatrist and said, can we please try this? And she said, oh, that's, that's a good one. It's an oldie. I forgot about it. <laughs> so she put, she put me on and it's, it's been amazing. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. But yeah, I have so many moms that I, and I just, I had this conversation in another podcast with somebody who, you know, it's never explained to patients about mental health medications that it's not an antibiotic. Like it's not a, I feel better. So now I must be cured and I can now go off my medication. And we know that's so, I mean, it's so dangerous just to even stop medication used for mental health can really, you know, do a lot of harm. So yeah, I feel like I have that recurring conversation with moms all the time. Like I feel better and, and you know, and there's so many side effects to medication too, right? That people don't like to deal with a, a big one being weight gain. And then, you know, people stop taking it because they, you know, don't want to be 20 pounds heavier or whatever it is. In my case, it's 20 pounds. That is the magic number every time I go on this medication. Um, but yeah, it, it's hard. It's really hard to open up and have those conversation. So, um, so you mentioned a little bit about the support group. When did you start going to the support group? Um, 
probably like a month into like a month postpartum. And at that point, it was only a couple months old. Um, so when I went, I was the only person again, I'm thinking, great. So it's just me, <laughs> just me and this um, lactation consultant. So, um, but I think I had gone for maybe like six months, maybe eight. And at that point, uh, maybe one, one or two other people had come, but um, they called me one night and said, hey, we really think you're, you're great at sharing. Would you mind to be a co-facilitator? And I said to my husband, oh my God, they think I'm crazy enough to be a facilitator. Uh, but at that point, I was like, if I'm going to do this, I need, it needs revamped. Like it's all or nothing with me all the time. So I'm taking it over. And um, it worked in our favor because it's wildly popular. So. Good. Yeah. What does it look like today? So how many moms are you getting? What, you know, how, how often do you have the groups? Um, we are the second and fourth Mondays of the month. Um, we typically get 10 to 15 people, which I think probably doesn't sound a lot to the average person, but for a support group, it's, it's a lot of people um, yeah. to get through and share. Um, right now we're virtual, of course, because of COVID, but the in-person is where the magic is. So hopefully we can go back sooner than later, but there's something about that me too, oh, that just people's whole faces change, their whole attitude. So um, when it started, I forget what they were calling it, something like the mom's group. I don't even know, the postpartum mom's group. And I said, nobody's gonna hire a babysitter to say they're going to the postpartum group. Like you can't put, I know we should get past the stigma, but we haven't yet, even after all these years. So I changed it to the hope group, which is hold on postpartum ends because I feel like that you can hide a little better <laughs> than yeah. The postpartum group so yeah it's so important the, the name of it I remember when I whew, first started all of this and Jane Honickman I remember her saying you cannot name the group postpartum anything like a, or mental health or like anything it's got to be something that a mom would be okay saying to a babysitter or to her husband or to work or to whatever um and then I remember just thinking how sad that was that we just still are not over that, how much stigma is attached to mental health, especially when it is kind of in connection with motherhood and, you know, supposed to be all rainbows and unicorns and whatever. And it's just totally not, but I'm so excited that that, so where are you living now? I know you were in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, right? Is that where you were? Where were you? Uh, yes, I'm a lifer. I'm three minutes down the road on the same road I Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. So, so for those of you listening who don't know, I had mentioned that earlier, I'm from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And so very close to, um, where Samantha lives. Um, yeah. And we did the screening there at Zotropolis and I got to meet you in person for, that was the first time we met in person, right? Oh, was yeah. that the only time we met in person? Have you ever had a conference together? Did you go to the warrior mom conference in Atlanta? Yeah. Oh, no, I wasn't in Atlanta because my, my kid got hospitalized. So, oh, okay. Yeah. okay. No, I for that. So, I think that might be the only time we have to change that. Ugh. We really do have to change that. I'm hoping to be in Pennsylvania a lot more for 2022. So, um, we'll have to, we'll have to meet up for sure. Um, but yeah, so you had mentioned that you'd screen the film a couple times. Um, You've, and so I'm just curious if you remember, because I don't know the last time you screened the film, what the feedback is from people that see it. I mean, do you see that, you know, that things start to change, even if it's just a little bit, you know, for because we get people 
you know, I, when I would go to screenings, people from like all over the place. Um, I'm just curious to know what the feedback is. Um, I think things changed a lot here, actually. Um, our first one, the CEO of the hospital came. Um, he's not there anymore, unfortunately, because he was about that life. He was about maternal mental health. I don't know if he had experience with it or not, but he came and just looked dumbfounded the whole time. Like what's going on? His wife was with him. Um, so I feel like that helped me gain momentum with things I wanted to do at the hospital. My midwives were there. Um, and the one stood up and she said, I just have to say, I think we failed all of you in this room. And I hate to be like, you kind of did, but, <laughs> but I said, all we can do is move forward. Um, so they definitely started screening at more regular intervals. And I gave them some wording, just like, don't just throw a clipboard at somebody. Can we just say this is common and treatable and then hand the clipboard um, so that people aren't terrified and lie on it because that happens all the time. Um, our local pediatrician started screening at every well child visit um, in the first year. So that's, that's huge. I was finding a lot of people were not um, opposed to screening, just didn't know what to do once they screened. So I gave them all their resources and um, they were happy to screen once I did that. So it worked out. It worked out well. I mean, we had a lot of moms come and watch it, obviously, but the providers in the area were huge. Yeah, I really found that, you know, when providers would come and, and how amazing that midwife's like, uh, I think we failed all of you on this. And I, and I almost wonder, um, you know, because it's so common and the moms that do speak up, I mean, they ha had to have known that this was going on. Like there were, you know, moms were suffering. And I think the biggest part is that, you know, we, I remember when we first started this, I, it was really anger that, you know, really started this film. Like when Maureen and I met, it was that we were so pissed off that so many moms were suffering and it opening up to like me, cause I, have, I was doing support groups before I even met her. And like, they're not talking to their own doctors or nurses or lactation specialists or pediatricians or even their husbands or in their family. They weren't trying, they were talking about it to strangers at the local library, you know what I mean? And, and it's just like these, you know, these providers have got to be hearing this. And I just think they just didn't, they didn't know where to refer. Um, it was just like, well, I'm not gonna bring it up if I don't have anywhere to send you. I mean, what's the, what's the point? Um, you know, and there's a big point to it, right? Is that, you know, it makes a mom feel like she's being heard, first of all. Um, you know, someone just throwing a clipboard at you at the end of your appointment is like a slap in the, excuse me, a slap in the face. It's just like, mm -hmm. mm, great, you know? I mean, and who's gonna be truthful <laughs> on a screen like that that's just like thrown to them with no empathy? Like here, you know? I agree. And I feel like they thought they were, they were doing their part by doing that. I mean, and I guess a small aspect they were, but it was not enough, no. you know, at all. So we've made strides, which is great for the area. So yeah, that okay. makes me so, so excited. Um, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff coming out of, from my hometown. I mean, it's, it's amazing. I know so many moms are being helped up there. So I love it. I love it. I love it. So you're still, so how long have you been running the group? Mm -hmm. 11 years. Wow. Crazy, right? I know. And I think about it because I, I still remember everybody and I still, <laughs> I still know all their stories. So it's so, it's been so healing on top of helping people, you know, just to be able to say me too over and over. Yeah. And change. So, yeah. Well, thank you for doing that your part there because it's 
a huge game changer for moms. Support groups and peer support is so important in the healing process, both for those listening in the group. And like you said, yourself, I, I heal every time I have one of these podcasts and, and even you just talking about your story and, and how similar it is to mine, it still like touches me like, ah, oh, you know, like, you know, other people go through this, but man, when your stories are so similar, like that whole dishwasher thing and the, I mean, that is like exactly how it all happened. And, um, so frustrating that our hormones make us think things like that. Um, instead of like happy things, like running through a meadow with, you know, unicorns and candy, like Candyland is what I would like to have an intrusive thought about. Um, you know, not, you know, drowning my kid or whatever. I mean, like I just, man, I just wish there was more research on the brain as to why, why these intrusive thoughts are so common. Like, where did they come from that, there's like, it's always specific subjects and scenarios that are just so common. There's gotta be some connection as to why our mind goes there. You know, I mean, I, I was, I don't know. We could talk about intrusive thoughts forever, but they fascinate me. I mean, they just, it's so fascinating to me, especially like when you said I picked up the knife and I'm holding it like a serial killer. I mean, I'm not a big like serial killer movie watcher. Like I don't like necessarily like even really know like how is you know what I mean like I know where does that <laughs> like, come from you that? you know so left field it is yeah. so left field um yeah I mean I really wish people would do more research on that and the fact that they're so common even though they're like really weird to talk about like you said like I couldn't look what I'm gonna tell my husband like oh I think I'm gonna like fling a knife at my kid <laughs> like how, how bizarre is that um you know people don't talk about it but they're so like they are so common but boy are they scary like they are just like they're scary I mean they're scary when we filmed or we screened, I think it was the second time, my coworkers, who I had never obviously talked about it with, um, but I had been with for years, <laughs> didn't know what the film was about and showed up to like support and surprise me. And I was like, oh, Lordy B. So they had to hear my whole story. And I'm like sobbing in front of them because they were there and they meant well. But then the next day they were like, why didn't you tell us? And I said, what am I going to do? Come in Friday morning when we're talking about Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what I thought about last night during Grey's Anatomy? What if my kid was that kid on the gurney? Like, it's just not something you bring up around coffee. I don't know. Um, but I'm thankful they came. And now they've all went on to have daughter-in-laws and they ask. And I just, the ripple effect has been, has been great. Yeah. I'm the intrusive thought person now. So I, people from all over, Hey, I heard your name with the intrusive thoughts. So that's me. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, it's a you, you become a very popular person to talk to. Um <laughs> because it's so weird. Like I and it's not even funny, I shouldn't even laugh, but I remember thinking, how many commercials do they have to put on TV for people selling knives? Like, how why is this a thing? Like, why are the Ginsu knives like every other commercial? Yeah. I just remember how panic ridden I was when those commercials would come on the TV. Like I'd have to like close my eyes, um, man, but yes, medication, you know, it does, it does work. Um, like you said, it saved your life. It totally saved my life. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, nobody can live with intrusive thoughts like that for long periods of time. I mean, you just, they are so debilitating. 
um, and hard to kind of muster through. It's, it's tough, but well, I am thrilled that I got to connect with you today. Um, so I appreciate you so much coming on and sharing your story and talking with me today. Thank you for having me. I'm always down to talk about the taboo. The taboo. Well, I'm certain that this is not going to be the last time that we have a conversation. So, um, and hopefully we will see each other in person 2022. So that would be great. All right, Samantha, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Jennifer.